Here's a message from Ken Lavica. Every sports radio host with their name on a show is contractually obligated to debate where Tom Brady is going next. Good thing my name's not on this show. It's a big Teddy takeover. Stone Labanowitz, hit the open. On your mark. Get set. Go! You are listening to Ken Lavica Live. What? Did we just become best friends? Yup. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yup. Turn it up. Turn it up! Now, live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Ken Lavica Live on ESPN 1063. That's right, Theo Dorsey from WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. You usually see me on your TV screens. You usually hear me next to Ken Levick alive on a Tuesday here with Stone Labanowitz as well. But today, Ken is out, I'm in, and we're doing things a bit differently today. I'm not going to sit here and go back and forth with you about, oh, is Tom Brady going to come back with the Bucks, or is he going to go to Las Vegas, or is he going to go to San... I don't care, because he's not in the playoffs anymore. There's eight teams left in the NFL playoffs right now. Wild card weekend, or excuse me, Super Wild Card Weekend was exhilarating. It had high moments. It had easy, low moments. It had fun. It had action. It had everything you could want from the opening of an NFL postseason. And in fact, Stone, how about we take a little, a little, uh, let's let's call it like a highlight review of everything that went down in the NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. An extra point. He's missed three tonight, four in a row. And he has done it. Again, 36-yarder from the right hash to win the game. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good, good, good. Let's go. The Jaguars have won it. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. We never had a no fight from him. Let's go get it. They come down. He should get the ball again here. On first and ten to the end zone. Gabe Davis. Did he get the feet down? Yes, he did. That Big is game, game. You said it. Big game, game. Right around Huntley. He reaches. Oh, that ball's out. That's live. Back the other way. Sam Hubbard. The Cincinnati kid. Hubbard's got a convoy. Chased by Andrews. At the 30. The 20. He will score. Fourth and eight. Game on the line. Cousins. That's what it sounded like. Super wild card weekend in the NFL. And just for a quick recap, if you missed everything, we had games Saturday night. We had games Sunday night, and we had the the night cap or the the cap to wild card weekend Monday night, which was really a snoozer between the Cowboys and the Bucks. But we had the 49ers beating the Seahawks 41-23. We had the Jacksonville Jaguars immaculate comeback beating the Chargers 31-30. We had the Buffalo Bills beating the Dolphins 34-31. Good fight from those Finns uh, without their starting quarterback and even their backup. The Giants over the Vikings 31-24. The Bengals over the Ravens 24-17. And again, last night on Monday Night Football, the Cowboys 31, the Buccaneers, and Tom Brady 20 or 14. Excuse me, I almost gave him so many points yeah, there. Don't do that. Stone, I, <laughs> it's funny because it – that very well could have been the last pass from Tom Brady, and that's what you're going to hear everywhere else. But but for him to go out with a squeaker like that, 14 points in the wild card, 
round against the Cowboys at home would be just just sad. Yeah, last last time he got held to a donut heading into the locker room at halftime was his very first playoff game. Mm. So got a kind of full circle there, right? It's goose egged and ends up scoring six in his uh, what could be his finale in his first game ever. He walked into the locker room at halftime with zero. But overall, really, really bad performance by the Bucks. Really bad performance by the Bucks, and it leaves me thinking too as we as we wrap our minds around these six games that happened in the NFL. Through the weekend, a three-day weekend that provided it provided so much football and so much fun stone that I can't lie to you. I I had to debate with my fiance back and forth on some of these days. Like she's like, "Yo, it's another night, another day full of football, another night." For those that don't know, I, I recently got my schedule changed. I have been working weekends for the past two years here at ESPN West Palm with WPTV as well, and this was actually my first full weekend off with my new schedule. Now that I'm Monday through Friday stone, so. First of all, very proud about that. I'm happy to be with the with the regular folk now, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can consider it making it. I, yeah. I think when you don't work the weekends. Yeah, it's a it's a great milestone achievement it is. for me right now. So I'm off weekends. My very first weekend off. I'm like, great, all of this football to watch. But on the other side of it, my fiance who hates watching football is like, yay, your very first weekend off. Let's kick it. So there was a lot of push and pull, a tug of war, if you will, which I ended up losing on Monday night because we went and saw the movie Megan over actual Monday night football between the Bucks and the Cowboys. But I didn't miss anything, right? No, no. I mean, yeah, you just missed about every uh, single great NFL game in the Super Wild Card weekend if your fiance is asking you to kick it. In this case, you were Brett Maher last oh. night. Going 0 for 4. Look at us taking a page out of Ken's oh, book. You like that? I, that was so quick. So we're only five minutes into the show, and Ken Levicka, <laughs> the remnants of Kim, Ken Levicka still uh, still over here, especially with you. You're his radio life partner, so of course you got to keep the tradition going there. For sure, That's, but Theo, you missed uh, just about the best. Not that you missed it, right? You followed and kept up with everything, yeah, but yeah. I, I think this weekend more so than any other weekend proved that the NFL is king, right? For any wives, fiance, girlfriend saying, oh, so much football. If they actually watched and paid attention to these games, they're sucked in because it, because this is exactly what we asked for. This is what we uh, I don't know the phrase with the doctor. Look, I'm getting too can look here. This is what the doctor prescribed. Ordered. No, yeah. no, no, you got it right. It's yeah, what the doctor ordered. I mean, these games were phenomenal, right? We thought the Bills were going to cover. They didn't. The Finns put up a fight for everybody down here in South Florida. Man. We thought the Bengals were going to coast. The Ravens at one point had the Bills hanging at plus money if Man. you were trying to bet on them live. So definitely a sweater. For the Bengals, the 27-7 going into halftime for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. I mean, come on. That's popcorn stuff. I actually didn't even watch that second half. I got a notification that Riley Patterson made that field goal that we heard a second ago. So that was awesome to go back and get a glimpse of that. But the NFL is king, Theo. I think we know that at this point. And I think we got to make it a thing not to talk about Tom Brady right off the Wait, bat. Th- Tom Brady? Is it, did he play that? Was he active last night in that game? Because, I mean, the, the Bucks got blown out. Blaine Gabbert very well could have been playing. We would have had <laughs> no clue the difference if he was or not. But, you know, every show, every TV show, radio, any, any national syndicate is, yeah. is asking their audience, you know, where's Tom Brady headed? We'll wait to we'll do wait. that. I, I think that a lot of these guys deserve the respect, like Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence. We'll get into it, but yeah. I, it's such a good weekend, so much good football. There's so much good football still to be had here, and it leaves me thinking, too, as we as we put a bow on Super Wild Card Weekend from the NFL, what was it that had you the most shocked, the most happy? What's your biggest takeaway from Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL? Because Stone LeBanowitz, I can sit here and tell you now, my biggest takeaway is – 
Something has got to change in Los Angeles. And I'm not talking about with the Rams. Obviously, they weren't in the playoffs. I'm talking about those Chargers. I actually watched that game um, through and through on Saturday. I remember when the Jags go up 27-zip. Trevor Lawrence throws his fourth interception Two of three of them to Asante Samuel Jr. Asante Samuel is posing, you know what I'm saying, doing the little mama at the uh, at the VMA Awards when she stole the stage with Jay-Z and Alicia Keys, posing on the field at midfield, and it looks like the Chargers are going to run away with this thing. And then Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley happen. And then Justin Herbert, who actually looked good throughout the game, but it didn't feel like they gave him enough opportunities to go and actually put the game away and the Jaguars inched back in. Like you said, Trevor Lawrence throws that touchdown before the half. It becomes 27-7. to In the second half, the Jaguars creeping their way back in over and over again, all the way until the point where the Jaguars, now down by two points, are driving on the Los Angeles Chargers. Again, they were down 27-0. Down 27-0 at home. People thinking that Trevor Lawrence just isn't ready yet. The moment was too big. Four interceptions. He's all the way back. Four touchdowns now, driving all the way down the field. It's 28-30, to 30, Jaguars down by two, fourth and one from about the 40. Right here, Doug Peterson has a choice. He can kick a, what, 57, 58-yard field yeah, goal? It was 55 plus, 55 minimum. Yeah, so about a 50, I think it was 57 because it was right on the 40. With a really young kicker, Riley Patterson, is. Yeah. this is his second year in the league, I believe. So you, you put the, the ball in the hands or I guess the feet of your kicker here for 57 yards to advance in the playoffs, or you're a Doug Peterson. You're a guy that, that likes to uh, chance it a little bit on these fourth downs. Roll the dice. Similar to Brandon Staley on the other side. <laughs> oh, wow. And Doug Peterson calls maybe the play of the entire season for the Jaguars so far, a Travis Etienne run that doesn't just get one yard stone, but enough to make Riley Patterson's field goal a chip shot. Here it is from NBC. To the outside, ETN. First down and a ton more. And stays inbounds to the 15-yard line. What a call. It was about a 25-yard gain from Travis Etienne that set up Riley Patterson for the field goal that would win it for the Chargers. They won that 130, or for the Jaguars over the Chargers. They win that 131-30. And in the aftermath of that, the Los Angeles Chargers agree with me that the biggest takeaway from this weekend is changes need to be had in L.A. I know a lot of the discourse is going to be about, is Justin Herbert ready? Is he the guy? After all of the, quote-unquote, he's a social media quarterback, even right here in this chair where I'm sitting now, Ken Lavica has spent plenty of time kind of taking down Justin Herbert, saying he would take Tua Tungavailoa over him. How good is he really because he's never even made the postseason? Finally, the Chargers make the postseason. Herbert has his team up 27-zip, and they collapse to a loss. They charger, if you will. And the Chargers now taking action. Today, an article coming out here from ESPN. The Chargers fire offensive coordinator coordinator, uh, Joe Lombardi. They also fired their passing game coordinator. Um, Who was that again? Does not matter. Doesn't matter, right? Because you have a guy like Justin Herbert. You have weapons on the outside. You have Eckler in the backfield, and you have a pretty good defense, and somehow you end up collapsing in the wild card round in a game that you should have won by 20. The Chargers need change, and I think that's the biggest takeaway for me from wild card weekend as we advance forward, and those Jags are going to be kind of like a sacrificial lamb to my Chiefs. 
Stone, <laughs> what what was your biggest takeaway from the NFL Super Wild Card weekend? Well, first off, I want to touch on that that Chargers um, point. I think in real time, none of us really realized what was going on in that second half. Right, it just looked like a collapse. But when you break down the run to pass ratio for the Los Angeles Chargers offense, yeah, I think I saw somewhere along the lines of twenty seven passes to eight runs in the second half. If you're up. 20 points heading into a half of football and you only run the ball eight times. I think you deserve to lose that football game. So yeah, changes do need to be. I agree with that. takeaway. Take for me, how does it look before you move on though? Does Brandon Staley skate here now? Because when you see coordinators fired before anything is announced with the general manager or the head coach, that's usually signaling that they're going to be the scapegoats. We're holding on to our guy. We believe in the head coach because we're firing people on his staff. Usually the head coach would go, and then the coordinators with them. But them firing the coordinators here is telling us what? That it is not actually Brandon Staley's fault. Mm. Now, I say that kind of hesitant, but I believe that. I'm not on board with this fire Brandon Staley thing. First off, I want to address the analytics. What a lot of people don't understand is these coaches, teams, organizations, high school and college level, subscribe to an analytic program where – you're basically have a guy on staff assigned to tell you what that book says. So if Brandon Staley is in his headset on fourth and one from his own 44, everything is taken into account. How many yards they've passed for, what their defense has done right. That list goes on and on. It is a software. So he asks X guy, hey, what does the book say? And the book says, we're going for it here. Brandon Staley, no hesitation, gets into his play call sheet, or in this case, Joe Lombardi does, and they call the play. So that's one thing I don't think people necessarily understand when you're watching. Like, Brandon Staley maybe doesn't want to go for that fourth down or make some of these decisions, but that's what his book says. They subscribe to these analytics, and that's what they're going to do, and a lot of coaches are following suit. When I was wearing a headset signaling at Southern Illinois, it was never my head coach's decision who also called the plays. It was always another guy wearing a headset who has the analytics in front of him, and yeah. he's, what he says goes. You never get away from it, right? All that math is done for you. So I think that's one thing that we need to back off of Brandon Staley for. That's where the game is headed. Eventually, they're going to iron things down. The analytics thing won't be as annoying as it is right now, so and it'll you, be so successful. You don't have a problem. So I don't have a problem with coaches being aggressive, and that's what it is. Brandon Staley has taken a lot of heat for being ultra-aggressive, going yeah. forward on fourth down on his own side, and that's a big part. It's a, it's, a, it's a lightning rod thing for the Chargers right now. I don't have a problem with them going for it either. Sometimes the play call is more so what I have a problem with. Sure. Like Doug Peterson is a guy that's ultra-aggressive. We just talked about it. Fourth and one right there, a lot of guys kick that field goal. If you don't convert, convert on fourth and one there, you lose the game. For sure. And he calls a great, great end-around type sweep play that ETN picks up 25 yards, and it's like now he's being heralded for it. Brandon Staley does that same thing, makes the wrong play call, and, and I think he's the guy that's losing his job today. And I think you're exactly right. And Remember, Doug Peterson was the one who initially started that analytic movement with that Super Bowl run that yeah. Nick Foles ended up capping off. But, no, I hear what you said loud and clear, but also Brandon Staley's not the one calling the plays here. Yeah. That's Joe Lombardi. So who when, lost his job. So when you're wondering why the ball's getting thrown 27 times and you're only running the ball eight times in the second half, stop looking at Brandon Staley. Yeah. Like, yes, that's his job to – get eyes and ears on what play call is coming in and try to catch the rhythm and flow of a game. But at the same time, he's not the one calling in the plays, and they fired the guys who were doing that. So I'm not on board with this Brandon Staley firing. I love the uber aggression that he shows. I have no problem with it. Theo, my takeaway, and I haven't said this guy's name too often. We did touch on him a little bit last week, but Daniel Jones. Mm. There was a stat I saw, which 
I had to double check and triple check and quadruple check that Daniel Jones is the first quarterback in NFL history with 300 plus passing yards, two plus touchdowns, and 70 plus rushing yards in a playoff game. That does not sound like a real stat. Apparently, it is at NFL on Twitter. Little, little cherry picked. Little. Uh, sure, but, but but those are real numbers. Those are big numbers. Sure, to have. Sure, it's yeah. cherry picked. Yeah, right. I'm sure you could knock it down a little bit, and a few guys would enter the conversation. Yeah. But come on, 300 plus passing yards, two plus touchdowns, 70 plus rushing yards. The only quarterback in NFL history yeah. in the playoffs to do so. Kudos to Daniel Jones. Kudos to Brian Dayball, who's already notched himself at what a top five NFL head coach in oh, the league gotta with, be. with what he's done with the Giants so that was my biggest takeaway shout out to the Giants I also was not somebody who thought that the Vikings were fraudulent yeah they were 13 and four nobody really had faith in them I backed them in this spot and I think that's why I'm giving extra kudos to the Giants here so that was my biggest takeaway I love the Giants take there because not only it was weird because the whole season we doubted both of these teams yep the Vikings and the Giants we doubt it for different reasons. We doubted the Vikings because all of the one-possession wins that they kept having seemed like there was a lot of luck going in their favor. There's the Colts game where they're down by 33 and come back and win. Like there was, It was such a weird roller coaster season for the Vikings that if you watched all of those games, you would be surprised that their record was 13-4 and at the yeah. end of it, right? So we doubted them because of the small margins of victory. We doubted the Giants because of literally the guy you just named, Daniel Jones. The, the New York Giants, the New York football Giants, have guys like Richie James catching the ball, guys like Darius Slayton dropping the ball sometimes in some cases. But those are his main go-to guys. And then obviously Hodges pops out here in Wild Card Weekend and Saquon Barkley. So it was there was not a lot of faith in the names on the back of the jerseys for the New York Giants. But what Brian Dayball has done with the Giants this year, as well as what Daniel Jones did in that playoff game, it makes you start to wonder, not only is it, do the Giants have their franchise quarterback? But more so to me, like you said, Brian Dayball, top five head coach, I I, I got to lean all the way in on it, not just because what he did with Daniel Jones, but because what he did with Josh Allen, who is right. starting to kind of pumpkin a little bit. Sure. And the defense that he's also put together, right? When you go through some Man. of the secondary and some of the guys on the front seven for the Dexter Giants, Dexter Lawrence like, is, is incredible. Dexter Lawrence, Kevon Thibodeau. Oh, right? my. Jabril Peppers or whoever it is, Dory Jackson, whoever it is floating back there. Like, like shout out to Brian Dable for getting that defense right. And also, obviously, having Daniel Jones to play the way he does. And I think it sets a precedent for the rest of the league that it doesn't necessarily take a a, a firecracker popcorn guy at the quarterback position to win games, and especially in the playoffs. If you have a good staff and a good offensive game plan, anybody you have can be successful. We're watching Brock Purdy quotations around the phrase system quarterback, but what Shanahan and them are doing, I think Brian Dable is putting on display that, hey, doesn't take a guy who is uber talented to have success in the NFL. It's funny. We had that conversation after Jeff Saturday won his first game over, I think the Raiders, right? Yeah. Uh, Coaching doesn't matter in the NFL as much and all of that. (laughs) Head coaching and especially coaches that have an offensive mindset like the Shanahan's of the world, like the Andy Reid's and especially like Brian Dable, like we're learning matters a whole whole ton and that's been the difference in super wild card weekend what is your biggest takeaway from the nfl's super wild card weekend call in here 888-760-3776 again that's 888-760-3776 to join in on the conversation what's your biggest takeaway from the nfl's wild card weekend for me it was to me clearly that changes need to happen in los angeles because they were a team that had Pretty high Super Bowl odds, 
and they get bounced by the Jaguars. For Stone Labanowitz, it's the Giants. Daniel Jones and Brian Dayball are for real. What's your biggest takeaway? 888-760-3776. We got Devin in Boca Raton. Devin, you're on Ken Levick Alive with myself, Theo Dorsey, and Stone Labanowitz. Devin, what's your biggest takeaway from Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL? Hey, let's let's cool down on the on the Daniel Jones stuff for one second, please. Now that's only one game. Let's take it easy, Stone. We're gonna see what's gonna happen in the other game. Credit to him. Credit to him. It was a good game, but we can't crown one quarterback after one postseason game. We gotta we gotta slow down on that road. But my biggest take, and the reason I call is I was doing something, but I heard you guys. I don't get to listen all the time. But Theo, sometimes I get on you about Lamar Jackson. But to be honest with you, watching that game, the Ravens need to figure it out because. If Lamar Jackson was in that game, the Bengals wouldn't stand a chance. I think they would have actually blown them out, to be honest with mm. you. Mm. Because looking at that game, the Ravens have a whole lot in that team that we don't realize. We talk about Lamar Jackson so much, but then when I look at it, I was like, whoa. Even if I get on him for his passing or whatever, but there's something that he brings to the game that just makes a whole different dynamic. And we think that the Bengals and the Bills, the AFC is going to be Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs for the next five, ten years, but the Ravens have something to say about it if they could get that situation situated with Lamar. So my biggest takeaway was if Lamar was on the field, they might have had an upset and how, who, how, who knows how far they could go with Lamar Jackson. So credit man. to him, man. I got to... You know, 180. I love that, Devin. That's a, a great call by Devin there from Boca. Appreciate the call. What a 180. Me and Devin have gone back and forth on Lamar Jackson throughout yep. the season multiple times. Uh, Devin being overly critical of him, or at least what I assume to be overly critical, but sometimes fair criticism. And uh, myself fending for Lamar Jackson. And I think the biggest thing that we can take away, too, not just Lamar Jackson in that game makes a hell of a lot of a difference, but also Lamar Jackson. Sitting out with that MCL sprain the last six games, the Ravens failing to score more than 17 points in each of those games, and even right there, like he said, Super Wild Card Weekend, if Lamar was there, the Ravens are likely advancing in the playoffs. It just goes to show they should have paid that man. We'll have some Lamar Jackson uh, contract talk uh, later on in the show, but yeah, that brings up a great point. He does bring up a great point, and like you just said, we definitely will get into some Lamar Jackson stuff. It, yeah. it, it's deserving of, of a long conversation because, hey, it's just getting started. This entire offseason is going to revolve around a lot of these big quarterbacks. But a point I wanted to make, right, J.K. Dobbins said in his postgame presser immediately, if we have Lamar, we win that game. It, it's this funny little thing in football where, where teams play down to their level, to their opponent, right? It, it seems like a myth. It seems something that a lot of us just throw out there, especially in, in sports talk media or whatever you do yeah. for a living. It's You say, hey, no, they play down to their opponent. But that's real. I think if Lamar Jackson was in that game, Cincinnati doesn't fall asleep in that first quarter. Like, there's no more, sense of urgency. urgency. Yeah, There's no sense of urgency yeah. when Tyler Huntley's back there not converting third downs and not getting through his progressions and making the correct checks and reads at the line of scrimmage. Like, if you're the Bengals, there's nothing you're really worried about. Yeah. And for somebody who was betting on the Bengals and myself, I was never worried about it. Now, I did get in that fourth quarter, of course, when they, <laughs> hey. they, they lost their lead. But in that first quarter, in that second quarter, I wasn't worried. Like, I, I think if Lamar Jackson's playing that football game, then it's it, it's a boxing match. Like they're going back and forth, and Joe Burrow's having to match Lamar Jackson's energy. There was no energy to match from this Baltimore offense. So it, it's a hard niche argument to make that if Lamar Jackson's there, they win that game. Because I would argue if Lamar Jackson was there, Joe Burrow and them are are, are playing better and executing at a higher level. Because it's, like I said, there was nothing they were afraid of. It's always an yeah. argument I make when someone says, "Hey, if he would have played, we would have won that game." If LeBron James would have played. We, I mean, no. There's the X's and O's that go into it that. 
us as uh, viewers and armchair quarterbacks don't necessarily understand. Well, I'll tell you one thing for sure. If if Tyler Huntley had the situational awareness as well as – I mean, because it wasn't about skill. I mean, because Tyler Huntley could have won that football game as well. Sure. He just is not used to being in the spots that he was put in. Uh, case in point, the – what was it? Third and goal. Third second, and goal. I think it was third and goal. Ravens, it's tied 17-all. The Ravens are on about the two-yard line, and they are in a jumbo-type package, so they're not spreading the defense out at all. That means the Bengals defenders get to line up and crowd the line of scrimmage. Everybody in the stadium is assuming this is going to be a quarterback push QB sneak. Now, we saw this from Trevor Lawrence on the two-point conversion in the Chargers game where he hikes the ball. The Jaguars have the defense spread out, by the way, about four wide. Hikes the ball, jumps up, Superman reaches over with the football in his right hand, Scores a touchdown, two-point conversion in that case. Jaguars convert. Tyler Huntley tries to do this from the two-yard line. And here, I'll let you listen to it, and I'll describe. This is um, Bengals, Ravens, Tyler Huntley trying to go for a touchdown um, on NBC Sports. Uh, we got it. All we need is us mentality. So that's Tyler Huntley right there is thinking, he's thinking, okay, we hike the ball. He has a chance to jump over the line of scrimmage, but it's two yards he's going for. So he has the ball in both hands above him as he tries to Superman jump it in. I think it was a Bengals safety, knocks the ball out. Sam Hubbard scoops it up, 99-yard touchdown. So instead of the Ravens going up a score with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, they go down a touchdown. The game flips, and it's pretty much over right there. If that was any starting quarterback that had the situational awareness, I think you either convert it or you, you know, you probably do the QB push thing, but that was just a, a just a bad card for the Ravens to draw right there. Yeah, also nobody's sure what Tyler Huntley was told in his headset. Right? Yeah. It could have very well just been a QB sneak and he decided to take it into his own hands and yeah. try to get that ball over the plane, right? So that was on Tyler Huntley's. I agree with you if you had some situational awareness or confidence in yourself or you were Three inches taller and forty-five pounds bigger, right. like a Josh Allen, like a Cam Newton, or Trevor Lawrence that that was able to do it. Short, six, six. Trevor Lawrence, six-six, right? Yeah. Tyler Huntley's not that, so you could chalk it up to that. There's plenty of reasons, but I, I personally would chalk it up to a great play yeah. made by that Bengals secondary who grabbed that ball, flipped it out, fell right into Sam Hubbard's hands. Now, Theo, I wanted to play you this when we came in this morning. And we're prepping for the show. You hadn't heard this yet, mm-hmm. but this is after the game. Joe Burrow is being interviewed by, I apologize, I don't know the sideline reporter's name, but this is post-game. She has Joe Burrow to her right and Sam Hubbard to her left. Oh, wait, is this the, wait, so we... Yeah, I, I think we should most definitely play this. Okay, let's go. I, I think let's it's go. one of the most disrespectful <laughs> things that, that I've ever heard an NFL player be asked in an interview, right? He just had the game-winning play, and she decides to ask Sam Hubbard a question following all of the celebratory... Congratulations, all the above. This is uh, pretty hard to listen to. Uh, we got it. All we need is us mentality. And uh, I go to war with these guys anywhere. You guys both got the game ball. It's probably your first game ball ever, right? I think so. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this big. <laughs> he, he let her off easy. That was her asking Sam Hubbard, by the way. Yes, it was. Is this your first game ball ever? A guy that's not playing left guard, but playing a position where you can definitely get game balls at, at defensive end, right? <laughs> like, 
That was disrespect. He let her off easy, but I think he was in shock. Yeah. More so. That as a guy who makes, what, $800,000 game checks during the playoffs, it's probably a million dollars. And he's uh, a millionaire, right? And you get asked, is this your first game ball ever? As you're a veteran in the NFL? I mean, some of the most disrespectful stuff that I've ever heard. Very patronizing. Very patronizing right there. (laughs) That is hilarious. What is your biggest takeaway right there? That was a big takeaway from him was that, damn, these post-game interviews, not very fun. Sam Hubbard learning that. What's your biggest takeaway from Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's the number to call to join the conversation. Tony is in West Palm Beach. He's joining the conversation on Ken Levicka Live right now. Tony, what's up? What's up? What's up, fellas? How y'all? Pretty good. Great, right? great. You already know. My biggest takeaway is like this. I'm going to put it like this. If Skylar Thompson had the situational awareness of Daniel Jones, I believe the Dolphins probably would have won that game. I think if Daniel Jones had the chutzpah of Mr. Skylar Thompson, I think he'd be a better player. I think if you added both of them together, mm. you still wouldn't have a Brock Purdy. <laughs> what in the world? You are, you're at the conspiracy but, theory but, board but, right here. But. But my biggest takeaway of the weekend is Derek Carr has a second career in the church. Have y'all brothers heard this man kick yes. on the uh, – I was like, yo, Devontae uh, – what's, what's my man's name? Devontae Adams, right? Yeah. Yes. That's his guy? Yo, he got to be in the, front, in, the, in the front row, like, catching the Holy Ghost when my man is speaking. <laughs> Derek Carr has a second career, and it is as a pastor somewhere in Las Vegas. The man can't be stopped. Shout out to y'all. Peace to Dr. Martin Luther King, who celebrated a birthday on the 15th, like your boy Tony did, so you already know, hold it down. Happy birthday. Peace, y'all. One love. Thank yes. you. One love, y'all. Yes, sir. One love. Appreciate the call, Tony. That's a, that's a good thing. And also, I do have to make mention, man, last year, February 1st, 2022, Tom Brady announces his retirement on the first day of Black History Month, and then last night on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Day, he may have played his last football game. He needs to stay away from the Black Holidays. That's all I'm going to say. Karma is a B. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, we're going to actually talk more about, I mean, karma's a B. Yeah, sure, karma's a B. But what's happening right now, not just with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, but around the NFL with all of the offseason decisions that need to be made, uh, that can be a B, a B of a decision to make. So we're going to talk about staying or going between some of these big-name quarterbacks and coaches that have decisions to make this NFL offseason. And we're going to continue to take your calls on your biggest takeaway from NFL Wild Card Weekend, 888-760-3776, 888-760-3776. Call in to let us know your biggest takeaway from Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. He's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. This is Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. Good protection, the pass wide open, touchdown Lamb. A total breakdown in coverage. And Dak Prescott has had a fantastic night. Now, back to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Man, the discourse on Dak Prescott. The discourse on Dak Prescott is, is due for a change. I know what it looked like in the regular season, but it's due for a change, and we're going to address that now on Ken Levicka Live. I'm Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, in for Ken Levicka Live, and I'm joined by Stone Labanowitz. This this sounds like fun right here, Stone. 
The South Florida Fair is now open. It's open now and through January 29th here in West Palm Beach. The theme is Dynamite, and there will be dinosaurs everywhere. Download the new Fair app on your phone so you'll have all the schedules and activities right there in your pocket. 17 days of entertainment, including a new Extreme Illusion show, the wonderful ice skating show, pig races, and all kinds of dinosaurs, plus all that great fair food and the daily parades, concerts, Farm animals, yesteryear village, and so much more. And two dollar Tuesdays are back. Uh, what what day is it today, Stone? Today's Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, and two dollar Tuesday has made its way back to the South Florida Fair. Admission just two dollars on Tuesday. Every vendor will have a two dollar food bite, and you can ride all rides for just two dollars each. Go to SouthFloridaFair.com for details or download the new fair app. The fair is now open through January 29th in West Palm Beach. And I know my fiance is dying to get me to go there, so we'll be going there soon. We wanted to go this past weekend. A little chilly. A little chilly. Me and Ken were out there on Friday. I was eating all the fair food. Man, it's a good scene. There's a lot going on. Checked out the dinosaurs. South Florida Fair is the place to be right now. Speaking of dinosaurs, Tom Brady (laughs) and the Buccaneers last night. Monday Night Football. So many eyes were forced to watch as Tom Brady dinked and dunked and dink. I don't even want to call it dinking and dunking because dunking would sound like you had some success there. Like more so like dinking and 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 dinking again. Thirty-five completions, sixty-six attempts, fourteen total points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they lost to the Dallas Cowboys thirty-one to fourteen on Monday Night Football. The Cowboys advance; they get the San Francisco 49ers, But everybody today wants to talk about where is Thomas Edward Brady going to play next? What's he going to do? We even got some odds here, some fancy odds here, Stone Lebanowitz, um, from the DK Sportsbook on Twitter. Uh, uh, the Bucks are plus 200 to get Tom Brady back. They're the favorites. Then the Raiders are plus 250. And the 49ers are plus 350. They're in the playoffs right now. <laughs> the 49ers are in the playoffs with Brock Purdy, but yet somehow they're plus 350 to have Tom Brady next year. The Patriots of all team, plus 750. The Dolphins who have a quarterback, even though I don't know what's going on right there. They're plus 750. The Giants are plus 900. You think Brian Dayball wants to deal with 46-year-old feet stuck in the ground, Tom Brady over Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes? You know about the guy who just rushed for over 70 yards, right? Come on. Yeah. What are we doing? And the Jets plus 900. Oh! oh, oh. Well, that actually might, that might, that might be good for both parties. I don't know. But I don't give a damn. I don't care where Tom Brady is going next because, yet again, he's trying to dominate the media cycle and all of that stuff. You want to talk about where Tom Brady's going, the headline right now on ESPN.com. What's next for Tom Brady and the Bucks? Experts pick potential landing spots. Stone, we don't give a damn here. We're not obligated to discuss the whereabouts of Tom Brady for 2024. We want to talk about the NFL teams that are still in the playoffs right now, like Dak Prescott. And those damn Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, let's talk about them, Cowboys. Theo, back-to-back 12-win regular seasons. Mm. And it was just a week ago that the questions were being raised. If Mike McCarthy loses his football game, do we fire him? Is this a legacy game for Dak Prescott? Mm. It's quiet on the front today. It's quiet on the Dallas Cowboys front. All of those low-stakes, hot takes that we're throwing out about the Cowboys, they go absolutely beat down these Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we are listening and watching all of this Tom Brady stuff. It's honestly really, really aggravating. I can't believe that we're doing it, especially on a night where Dak Prescott threw and 
and combined for 329 total yards, five total touchdowns, and a 143.3 passer rating. Mm-hmm. And we want to ask where Tom Brady's headed. No, these guys deserve their flowers. Stephen A. Smith deserves to apologize. Dan Orlovsky for putting him 12th on a list oh, of 14 yeah. quarterbacks in the playoffs deserves to apologize. The Dallas Cowboys should be getting everybody's flowers today. Well, hold on a second. Stone, I, I, I'm getting something in my ear here now. This is a good old radio trick right here as I have my finger to my ear, but nobody can see me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that as TV guy on radio. But Stone, I'm, I'm hearing that we do have an apology, an official apology from none other than the biggest Dallas Cowboy hater on this earth, Stephen A. Smith, on his show, First Take on ESPN today. Stone, can we can we take a listen to that? Because I'd love to hear what Stephen A. has to say about the Dallas Cowboys now that they beat up on the Buccaneers. Are you confident now, after that performance by Dak Prescott, that he can get his team to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. You know, look, 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 look. look. <laughs> you know, yeah. What time is it? The, look, look, all right, look, 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 look. Oh, man. They had a good night, okay. all right? Good. They had a good night. Cut it. He, he couldn't find his words just like Tom Brady couldn't find his receivers last night. Just despicable. There's no way to put it. What? Why Why is, before the playoffs start, the conversation is they're going to get their butts kicked by the Buccaneers. They're not good enough to be here. Yada, yada, yada. And then when they win a game, it's now, oh, well, I don't, I don't know. And then later on on the show, I know he talked about it. We probably don't have the audio from it. He's like, oh, now it's Super Bowl or bust for the Cowboys. So you pick a team to lose in the wild card round. Now it's Super Bowl or bust. And I get it. Dak Prescott, in the past 11 games, or the past seven games, had thrown 11 interceptions. He had seven straight games throwing an interception, including five of them where he threw multiple picks. Dak Prescott stunk it up leading into the playoffs. But all of the discourse about the Dallas Cowboys has always been how they're great in the regular season. And I'll put my hand up as well. I say it all the time, too. The Cowboys, great. But they always fail you on the big stage. Dak Prescott goes out there, does the opposite. He limped his way through the back end of that regular season. The Cowboys still make the playoffs, still have a good shot against a bad team in the Buccaneers. He takes care of business, and I think the apology tour should start now because it probably is going to end next week against the San Francisco 49ers. But Stone, what do you think, though, now of the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott? I'm not sure if you were in or out on him before these playoffs started, but where are you at now with them? I'm never in on guys in the NFL until the chatter starts, until the slander starts. That's when I jump on board and will defend a guy. And when I'm looking last night before this game kicks off, and 98% of the bets are on Dak Prescott to throw over .5 interceptions, all right, now I'm involved. Now I love Dak Prescott. Now I'm rooting for Dak Prescott. It was five total touchdowns with zero turnovers, played the best game he's played all season. I said it. I'll say it again. He deserves all of the flowers but I really have a problem with what we're addressing here, and that's deeming this game so important for the Cowboys, deeming this a legacy game for Dak, and they go out and win this ball game, and not a word is said about Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jones, a few hours after this game ends, gets on some radio station in Dallas and praises Mike McCarthy, says, hey, guys, his resume speaks for itself. He's won plenty of these games before. I'm not surprised. And then he talks about Dakota Prescott, in just the utmost, like a child, like a son to him, yeah. speaks on him. Yeah, and we're gonna sit here and act like we weren't just saying that Mike McCarthy was gonna be fired after they lose this game. 
it just goes to show you don't listen to everything that you hear, right? Something that we say often. And I, you and I, I think, are very good trolls. And we're going to go after these guys. Stephen A. Smith, you're a clown for this. And we're going to come after you for a lot of the Got things to. that you said. I, Dak Prescott shut everybody up. But like we said, where's Tom Brady going? No, 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 no. This Dallas Cowboy team is good. This was a really good defensive game plan. This offense, who scored a lot of points this season, came out and scored a lot of points in this game. Yeah. 31 points. Now you look at the Buccaneers, the 14, that last touchdown was thrown with, what, a minute and 24 left on the clock? Like, I loved this performance. I thought watching this game was therapeutic. And I love that Tom Brady went out like this because him and Byron Leftwich did not have it together through that later stretch of the season, and they got pounced. This is, it's funny, too, because what, what the Cowboys winning in the fashion that they did, and then the Giants winning in the way that they did against a team that was a 13-win team, the Eagles having the bye week. The NFC East, and I would say Ken Levick Alive is probably the home for NFC East fans in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. I it think feels, so. feels like every single one of our fans that regularly calls in here on Ken Levick Alive is some way tied. We even have a Commanders fan, I think. I think I've heard a Commanders fan even on these airwaves. Every now and then. But we've heard, we know we got Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles covered. And we hear from them all of the time. And we'd love to hear from you today as well as you guys have your parade. Three NFC East teams with a chance now. We know at least one NFC East team will be in the NFC Championship game. We were kind of a launching pad for this, for this heralded season from the NFC East. And for Dak Prescott, for Daniel Jones, and for Jalen Hurts, they all have a real good shot now at, at being, you know, next to all of the other accomplishments they have, Super Bowl champions. I mean, now. the 49ers are only favored by a field goal over the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So keep that same energy if you are against the Cowboys here because it's not like they're favored by a touchdown like the Eagles are over the Giants. This is a field goal line. So yeah. I think the Dallas Cowboys are live. They are to be respected and treated with the same amount of energy as we do a lot of these teams right now. Would you not be more nervous, though? Like, So, I will say this. Dak Prescott against that Buccaneers defense, a lot easier to go mistake-free, a lot easier to go five touchdowns, no turnovers, than when you're facing the D'Amico Ryans-led San Francisco 49ers defense with Fred Warner over the middle with Nick Bosa on the line. Like, That's a different beast. I would love to see if he's able to stay mistake-free against that that unit. Now, let's not cherry-pick here because who's on that defensive side for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, oh right. If on. you're the San Francisco yeah. 49ers, you have to worry about Micah Parsons. Mm. You have to worry about one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You have to worry about Demarcus Lawrence. You have to worry about Leighton Vander Ash. Like, this is a nice little That's matchup right. here. This so, to really write good. them off is, 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 is not the right thing to do. Per se, but you're right. Obviously, Dak Prescott, who leads the league in interceptions alongside Davis Mills, has to go up against the best defense in the NFL. Like, no easy task, but the NFC is putting on. Well, we remember how the San Francisco 49ers won in the divisional round last year. It was at Lambeau Field. It came down to special teams. Well, the Dallas Cowboys had their very much so uh, some fun with special teams in this one last night on Monday Night Football. Now, Stone, again, I didn't watch this game live, so I, I went back and I saw it on Twitter, and I remember seeing Sarah Fuller, um, the the female kicker who played for, was it Wake Forest? Or, um, I can't remember. The it was team. Purdue. Oh, Vander, Vanderbilt. It was Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt it was. It was Vanderbilt. We knew the colors of the team. <laughs> right. We couldn't remember the team. It was Vanderbilt. I feel bad because I interviewed her for the Lou Groza Awards on, what was that, 2021 or 2020. Anyway, Sarah Fuller, I see a tweet from her that says, 
can this guy just please make the kick? Some, some to that extent. Like, and I'm wondering what the heck is she talking about? Again, I'm in the movie theaters watching Megan, which is about some sicko robot, robot doll that comes back and tries to take over the world or something. I don't know. And I go back and watch it, and the Dallas Cowboys, <sighs> I don't know how to put this because it felt like they were cowboying. It felt like this is the postseason, and Dallas was in a position here where they're scoring touchdowns, but they can't get points. First touchdown, Greg Maher, Dallas Cowboys field goal kicker, who went 50 for 53 on extra points during the regular season. Look at the disrespect calling Brett Greg. Oh, Brett. I called him Greg. That's just messed up. Brett Maher? Yeah. I'm sure he's glad I used the wrong name because what I'm about to say about him was not good. So Brett Maher, Dallas Cowboys field goal kicker, went 50 for 53 on extra points during the regular season. Dallas Cowboys score first touchdown. Brett Maher, wide right. Second touchdown. Brett Maher, again, wide right on the extra point. They're up 12-zip. Third touchdown, was this the one where he shanked to the left? Yes, it was. This was the one where he shanks it to the left, and I think you have there the the fourth one here. So he shanks the third one to the left. The Dallas Cowboys go up 18-zip. Cowboys score another touchdown. And, and at this point, you got to think, okay, he only missed three extra points through 18 weeks of the NFL regular season. He missed three total extra points. He's already missed three in this first playoff game. There's no way he misses a fourth, right? There's no way he misses a fourth, Stone Labanowitz. An extra point. He's missed three tonight, four in a row. And he has done it again. <laughs> if that's not... In each of these games that Tom Brady plays, especially the pivotal ones, it feels like something on the other side is just giving him every single chance to get back in it and win it. It always feels like fate is playing into his hands that felt like one of those things that was happening, except the Cowboys were so good it didn't matter. Brett Maher misses his first four extra points only to make the fifth one, one for five on extra points. Uh, and it sounds like Jerry Jones is going to keep him. It sounds like the Dallas Cowboys are going to back him and bring him back. But, man, if there's one place you want to tighten things up, it's special teams against those 49ers. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about Brock Purdy and those 49ers because I don't think he got the flowers he deserved, and we're still taking your calls on who or what was your biggest takeaway from NFL's Super Wild Card Weekend? We had so many great games, including that huge comeback win, Jaguars over the Chargers. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's the number to call in with your biggest takeaway from Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. He's Stone Lebanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. This is Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. I still don't get why they call it Super Wild Card Weekend, but I'll keep going with it. Big Teddy Takeover here on Ken LaVica Live. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. In for Ken LaVica, who's on his way back here. He'll be with us tomorrow, don't worry. And we got Stone Labanowitz, of course. We always got to have Stone, and Stone has a message from Baptist Health. And not only a message, a question for all of the good people out there. Are you experiencing foot and ankle pain and need to see an expert in the field? Well, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Theo, learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. 
18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, quarterback rating of 89.5. That's what Brock Purdy did against the Seattle Seahawks in his first ever playoff game. Mr. Irrelevant in this past NFL draft, still a rookie, seventh round pick, very last pick of the draft. That's what Mr. Irrelevant means to those who don't know. And he led the 49ers to a 41-23 win over the Seattle Seahawks. They advance. They get to host the Dallas Cowboys this coming weekend in the divisional round. And they'll be looking to make it to the NFC Championship game back-to-back years, this time under a different quarterback. Brock Purdy started the year third in the quarterback room behind Trey Lance, Jimmy G. Trey Lance, what was it, broken leg that he had? I forgot. It was a bad injury. Who cares? Yeah, so Trey Lance goes out week two, I believe. Jimmy G comes in. Jimmy G goes out like about, what, week 10 or 11 before Brock Purdy comes on. And Brock Purdy has yet to lose a football game, Stone Labanowitz. I think that's seven in a row, 11 for the team, but seven for Brock Purdy. What the hell is going on? And for all of the system quarterback phrases, I guess you could call yeah. them, being thrown Brock Purdy's way. A lot of the plays that he's made, been when the play breaks down, when he gets outside of the hashes, uses his legs, a lot of scramble drill stuff, out of structure stuff, Brock Purdy is lighting it up. He's efficient. He's accurate. He's got a big arm. It's impressive. It is really impressive and very similar to the whole Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady thing. I know it's a little early for that. It's early, yeah. But he looks damn good right now. He looks so good. So in that game, they actually, the 49ers were trailing 17-16 at the intermission. Looked like the Seahawks had some life. They Gino! were playing good. Geno Smith wasn't writing people back still. He was scoring touchdowns. It looked like a good game. Uh, third quarter, Brock Purdy gets a one-yard run. The San Francisco 49ers go up 23-17. to And then in the fourth quarter, up a touchdown, looking to put the game away. Brock Purdy finds Eli Mitchell in the red zone. And again, this is a play where, like you said, he's making things happen. It wasn't just scripted this way. It was an off-script play. He scrambles around, finds Eli Mitchell. Here it is on NBC Sports. On second and goal here, he fakes. He looks. He's in trouble, but keeps it alive and finds Mitchell. Improvisation leads to a touchdown. And actually, that was a Fox Sports call. There, that was Fox Sports um, right there. Brock Purdy to Eli Mitchell. That put the 49ers up 31-17. They go on to win it 41-23. And again, Brock Purdy, a master class. And, and even if you want to call him a game manager, if you, if you want to you know, call him a system quarterback, I don't even care. He's winning football games. He's looked good, and he's not putting his team in compromising situations. What else could you want from a starting quarterback? Absolutely correct. There, Mind you, we're talking about a cat who turned 23 years old two weeks ago. Yeah. And that touchdown pass to Elijah Mitchell. He goes through his progression. He starts on the right side of the field, works his way to the left, play breaks down, starts moving outside of the pocket, gets back to his check down, late, smart, safe, conservative, all the above. He ends up uh, with seven points there. So, like, yep. veteran stuff, right? Tom Brady has made a living off of finding the check down in the red zones, a la James White, right? Got him paid doing a lot of that stuff. Yep. Brock Purdy's doing it, and we're calling him a system quarterback. Little unfair, but I do hear where it's coming from. I get it just because it's so fresh. The real question is going to be for these 49ers is how far can Brock Purdy take you in these playoffs? Is that Cowboys defense going to be too much? Can he keep lifting you and keep that ceiling going higher? Or... Are they going to be having to find the next quarterback next year? It's going to be a it's going to be a really weird offseason for the 49ers in the quarterback room, but at the very least right now, it's working out. So I don't even want to talk about those questions yet because right now they're they're on the path to what looks like a Super Bowl run.
Yeah, speaking of the Cowboys and 49ers matchup that we do have next, I think we have a man who can speak on it a little bit, our resident Cowboys fan, Joe and Jupiter. Before we get to break, Joe, what do you got? What's up, guys? First of all, a couple of things. I have a couple of takes, but uh, one thing I'll quick on Purdy. I think he's going to have some sleepless nights <laughs> this week, dreaming about the onslaught of Micah Parsons and company. And then I got to give a shout out to uh, Ernesto and his Giants, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, my takes are the fact that if we play even close to the way we played last night, we're going to the NFC Championship game. And then if the Giants can find a way to beat the Eagles, that punches our ticket to the Super Bowl because I think that means the Giants would come to Dallas for the NFC Championship game, and we're winning that game. We'll see you in the Super Bowl. That's my two takes. Ooh, so what Joe, do you think? Joe and Jupiter, and I like it. I appreciate the call, Joe. He, he's he's calling that his Cowboys are going to uh, show something that resembled what we had last night. Yeah, but he's going for the easiest route possible. Yeah, yeah, but that's the one <laughs> thing that was soft about it. He's, he's asking, he's begging and pleading for the Giants to take care of the Eagles because he's scared. He's afraid of his Cowboys having to take on the Eagles himself. I see what you did there, Joe. A little misdirection, but it's not getting past me. Theo Dorsey in for Ken Lavica. We have a special guest coming up after we go to break. We have Steve Pilot Senior, the president of Good Karma Brands, resident Giants fan, and the overall just wise sage. He's going to be ask, answering some of your questions on Ask Steve's when we come back. Ken Lavica's out. Big Teddy Takeover. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm in with Stone Labanowitz. We're live on ESPN 106.3. Good protection, the pass wide open, touchdown Lamb. A total breakdown in coverage. And Dak Prescott has had a fantastic night. Now, back to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. Man, the discourse on Dak Prescott. The discourse on Dak Prescott is, is due for a change. I know what it looked like in the regular season, but it's due for a change, and we're going to address that now on Ken LaVica Live. I'm Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29, in for Ken LaVica Live, and I'm joined by Stone Labanowitz. This this sounds like fun right here, Stone. The South Florida Fair is now open. It's open now and through January 29th here in West Palm Beach. The theme is Dino Mike, and there will be dinosaurs everywhere. Download the new fair app on your phone so you'll have all the schedules and activities right there in your pocket. 17 days of entertainment, including a new Extreme Illusion show, the wonderful ice skating show, pig races, and all kinds of dinosaurs, plus all that great fair food and the daily parades, concerts, farm animals, yesteryear village, and so much more. And $2 Tuesdays are back. Uh, what what day is it today, Stone? Today's Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, and Two Dollar Tuesday has made its way back to the South Florida Fair. Admission just two dollars on Tuesday. Every vendor will have a two dollar food bite, and you can ride all rides for just two dollars each. Go to SouthFloridaFair.com for details or download the new fair app. The fair is now open through January 29th in West Palm Beach. And I know my fiance is dying to get me to go there, so we'll be going there soon. We wanted to go this past weekend. A little chilly. A little chilly. Me and Ken were out there on Friday. I was eating all the fair food. Man, it's a good scene. There's a lot going on. Checked out the dinosaurs. South Florida Fair is the place to be right now. Speaking of dinosaurs, Tom Brady (laughs) and the Buccaneers last night. Monday Night Football. So many eyes were forced to watch as Tom Brady dinked and dunked and dinked. I only want to call it dinking and dunking because dunking would sound like you had some success there. Like More so like dinking and 
and and dinking again. 35 completions, 66 attempts, 14 total points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as they lost to the Dallas Cowboys 31-14 on Monday Night Football. The Cowboys advance, they get the San Francisco 49ers, but everybody today wants to talk about where is Thomas Edward Brady going to play next? What's he going to do? We even got some odds here, some fancy odds here, Stone Labanowitz, um, from the DK Sportsbook on Twitter. Uh, uh, the Bucks are plus 200 to get Tom Brady back. They're the favorites. Then the Raiders are plus 250. And the 49ers are plus 350. They're in the playoffs right now. <laughs> the 49ers are in the playoffs with Brock Purdy, but yet somehow they're plus 350 to have Tom Brady next year. The Patriots of all team, plus 750. The Dolphins, who have a quarterback, even though I don't know what's going on right there, they're plus 750. The Giants are plus 900. You think Brian Dayball wants to deal with 46-year-old Feet stuck in the ground, Tom Brady over Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes. You're about the guy who just rushed for over 70 yards, right? Come on. Yeah. What are we doing? And the Jets plus 900. Oh, oh, oh. well, that actually might, that might, that might be good for both parties. I don't know. But I don't give a damn. I don't care where Tom Brady is going next because, yet again, he's trying to dominate the media cycle and all of that stuff. You want to talk about where Tom Brady's going? The headline right now on ESPN.com. What's next for Tom Brady and the Bucks? Experts pick potential landing spots. Stone, we don't give a damn here. We're not obligated to discuss the whereabouts of Tom Brady for 2024. We want to talk about the NFL teams that are still in the playoffs right now, like Dak Prescott and those damn Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, let's talk about them, Cowboys. Theo, back-to-back 12-win regular seasons, Mm. and it was just a week ago that the questions were being raised. If Mike McCarthy loses his football game, do we fire him? Is this a legacy game for Dak Prescott? Mm. It's quiet on the front today. It's quiet on the Dallas Cowboys front. All of those low stakes, hot takes that we're throwing out about the Cowboys, they go absolutely beat down these Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we are listening and watching all of this Tom Brady stuff. It's honestly really, really aggravating. I can't believe that we're doing it, especially on a night where Dak Prescott threw and and combined for 329 total yards, five total touchdowns, and a 143.3 passer rating. Mm-hmm. And we want to ask where Tom Brady's headed. No, these guys deserve their flowers. Stephen A. Smith deserves to apologize. Dan Orlovsky for putting him 12th on a list oh, of 14 yeah. quarterbacks in the playoffs deserves to apologize. The Dallas Cowboys should be getting everybody's flowers today. Well, hold on a second. Stone, I, I, I'm getting something in my ear here now. Good old radio trick right here as I have my finger to my ear, but nobody can see me. Um, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that as TV guy on radio. But Stone, I'm, I'm hearing that we do have an apology, an official apology from none other than the biggest Dallas Cowboy hater on this earth, Stephen A. Smith, on his show, First Take on ESPN today. Stone, can we can we take a listen to that? Because I'd love to hear what Stephen A. has to say about the Dallas Cowboys now that they beat up on the Buccaneers. Are you confident now, after that performance by Dak Prescott, that he can get his team to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not going there. You know, look, 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 look. look. Uh, you know, yeah. What time is it? Look, 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 all right, look, 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 look. Oh, man. They had a good night, okay. all right? Good. They had a good night. Cut it. He, he couldn't find his words just like Tom Brady couldn't find his receivers last night. Just... 
despicable. There's no way to put it. What? Why? Why is before the playoffs start the conversation is they're going to get their butts kicked by the Buccaneers? They're not good enough to be here. Yada yada yada. And then when they win a game, it's now. Oh well, I don't. I don't know. And then later on on the show, I know he talked about it. We probably don't have the audio from it. He's like, oh, now it's Super Bowl or bust for the Cowboys. So you pick a team to lose in the wild card round. Now it's Super Bowl or bust. And I get it. Dak Prescott in the past 11 games or the past seven games had thrown 11 interceptions. He had seven straight games throwing an interception, including five of them where he threw multiple picks. Dak Prescott stunk it up leading into the playoffs. But all of the discourse about the Dallas Cowboys has always been how they're great in the regular season. And I'll put my hand up as well. I say it all the time too. The Cowboys, great. But they always fail you on the big stage. Dak Prescott goes out there, does the opposite. He limped his way through the back end of that regular season. The Cowboys still make the playoffs, still have a good shot against a bad team in the Buccaneers. He takes care of business, and I think the apology tour should start now because it probably is going to end next week against the San Francisco 49ers. But Stone, what do you think, though, now of the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott? I'm not sure if you were in or out on him before these playoffs started, but where are you at now with them? I'm never in on guys in the NFL until the chatter starts, until the slander starts. That's when I jump on board and will defend a guy. And when I'm looking last night before this game kicks off, and 98% of the bets are on Dak Prescott to throw over .5 interceptions, all right, now I'm involved. Now I love Dak Prescott. Now I'm rooting for Dak Prescott. It was five total touchdowns with zero turnovers, played the best game he's played all season. I said it. I'll say it again. He deserves all of the flowers but I really have a problem with what we're addressing here, and that's deeming this game so important for the Cowboys, deeming this a legacy game for Dak, and they go out and win this ball game, and not a word is said about Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Jerry Jones, a few hours after this game ends, gets on some radio station in Dallas and praises Mike McCarthy, says, hey, guys, his resume speaks for itself. He's won plenty of these games before. I'm not surprised. And then he talks about Dakota Prescott, in just the utmost, like a child, like a son to him, yeah. speaks on him. Yeah. And we're going to sit here and act like we weren't just saying that Mike McCarthy was going to be fired after they lose this game. It just goes to show you don't listen to everything that you hear, right? Something that we say often. And I, you and I, I think, are very good trolls. And we're going to go after these guys. Stephen A. Smith, you're a clown for this. And we're going to come after you for a lot of the Got things to. that you said. I, Dak Prescott shut everybody up, but like we said, where's Tom Brady going? No, 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 no. This Dallas Cowboy team is good. This was a really good defensive game plan. This offense, who scored a lot of points this season, came out and scored a lot of points in this game. Yeah. 31 points. Now you look at the Buccaneers, the 14, that last touchdown was thrown with, what, a minute and 24 left on the clock? Like, I loved this performance. I thought watching this game was therapeutic. And I love that Tom Brady went out like this because him and Byron Leftwich did not have it together through that later stretch of the season, and they got pounced. This is It's funny, too, because what, what the Cowboys winning in the fashion that they did and then the Giants winning in the way that they did against a team that was a 13-win team, the Eagles having the bye week, the NFC East, and I would say Ken Levick Alive is probably the home for NFC East fans in Palm Beach County and the Treasure Coast. I it think feels, so. feels like every single one of our fans that regularly calls in here on Ken Levick Alive is some way tied. We even have a Commanders fan, I think. I think I've heard a Commanders fan even on these airwaves. Every now and then. But we've heard, we know we got Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles covered. And we hear from them all of the time. And we'd love to hear from you today as well as you guys have your parade. Three NFC East teams 
with a chance now. We know at least one NFC East team will be in the NFC Championship game. We were kind of launching pad for this for this heralded season from the NFC East. And for Dak Prescott, for Daniel Jones, and for Jalen Hurts, they all have a real good shot now at, at being, you know, next to all of the other accomplishments they have, Super Bowl champions. I mean, now. the 49ers are only favored by a field goal over the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. So keep that same energy if you are against the Cowboys here because it's not like they're favored by a touchdown like the Eagles are over the Giants. This is a field goal line. So yeah. I think the Dallas Cowboys are live. They are to be respected and treated with the same amount of energy as we do a lot of these teams right now. Would you not be more nervous, though? Like, So I will say this. Dak Prescott against that Buccaneers defense, a lot easier to go mistake-free, a lot easier to go five touchdowns, no turnovers, than when you're facing the D'Amico Ryans-led San Francisco 49ers defense with Fred Warner over the middle with Nick Bosa on the line. Like, That's a different beast. I would love to see if he's able to stay mistake-free against that that unit. Now, let's not cherry-pick here because who's on that defensive side for the Dallas Cowboys? Oh, oh right. If on. you're the San Francisco yeah. 49ers, you have to worry about Micah Parsons. Mm. You have to worry about one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. You have to worry about Demarcus Lawrence. You have to worry about Leighton Vander Esch. Like, this is a nice little That's matchup right. here. So, to write good. them off is, 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 is not the right thing to do. Per se, but you're right. Obviously, Dak Prescott, who leads the league in interceptions alongside Davis Mills, has to go up against the best defense in the NFL. Like, no easy task, but the NFC is putting on. Well, we remember how the San Francisco 49ers won in the divisional round last year. It was at Lambeau Field. It came down to special teams. Well, the Dallas Cowboys had their very much so uh, some fun with special teams in this one last night on Monday Night Football. Now, Stone, again, I didn't watch this game live, so I, I went back and I saw it on Twitter, and I remember seeing Sarah Fuller, um, the the female kicker who played for, was it Wake Forest? Or, um, I can't remember. The, it was oh, Purdue. Vander, Vanderbilt. It was Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt it was. It was Vanderbilt. We knew the colors of the team. <laughs> right. We couldn't remember the team. It was Vanderbilt. I feel bad because I interviewed her for the Lou Groza Awards on, what was that, 2021 or 2020. Anyway, Sarah Fuller, I see a tweet from her that says, can this guy just please make the kick? Some, some to that extent. Like, and I'm wondering what the heck is she talking about? Again, I'm in the movie theaters watching Megan, which is about some sicko robot, robot doll that comes back and tries to take over the world or something. I don't know. And I go back and watch it, and the Dallas Cowboys, I don't know how to put this because it felt like they were cowboying. It felt like this is the postseason, and Dallas was in a position here where they're scoring touchdowns, but they can't get points. First touchdown, Greg Maher, Dallas Cowboys field goal kicker, who went 50 for 53 on extra points during the regular season. Look at the disrespect calling Brett Greg. Oh, Brett. I called him Greg. That's just messed up. Brett Maher? Yeah. I'm sure he's glad I used the wrong name because what I'm about (laughs) to say about him was not good. So Brett Maher, Dallas Cowboys field goal kicker, went 50 for 53 on extra points during the regular season. Dallas Cowboys score first touchdown. Brett Maher, wide right. Second touchdown. Brett Maher, again, wide right on the extra point. They're up 12-zip. Third touchdown, was this the one where he shanked to the left? Yes, it was. This was the one where he shanks it to the left, and I think you have there the the fourth one here. So he shanks the third one to the left. The Dallas Cowboys go up 18-zip. Cowboys score another touchdown. And and at this point, you got to think, okay, he only missed three extra points through 18 weeks of the NFL regular season. He missed three total extra points. He's already missed three in this first playoff game. There's no way he misses a fourth, right? There's no way he misses a fourth, Stone Labanowitz. 
an extra point. He's missed three tonight, four in a row. And he has done it again. <laughs> if that's not... In each of these games that Tom Brady plays, especially the pivotal ones, it feels like something on the other side is just giving him every single chance to get back in it and win it. It always feels like fate is playing into his hands. That felt like one of those things that was happening, except the Cowboys were so good it didn't matter. Brett Maher misses his first four extra points only to make the fifth one, one for five on extra points. Uh, And it sounds like Jerry Jones is going to keep him. It sounds like the Dallas Cowboys are going to back him and bring him back. But man, if there's one place you want to tighten things up, it's special teams against those 49ers. Uh, we're going to continue to talk about Brock Purdy and those 49ers because I don't think he got the flowers he deserved, and we're still taking your calls on who or what was your biggest takeaway from NFL's Super Wild Card Weekend. We had so many great games, including that huge comeback win, Jaguars over the Chargers, 888 888-760-3776. That's the number to call in with your biggest takeaway from Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL. He's Stone LeBanowitz. I'm Theo Dorsey. This is Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken Levick Alive on ESPN 106.3. I still don't get why they call it Super Wild Card Weekend, but I'll keep going with it. Big Teddy Takeover here on Ken LaVica Live. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. In for Ken LaVica, who's on his way back here. He'll be with us tomorrow. Don't worry. And we got Stone Labanowitz, of course. We always got to have Stone. And Stone has a message from Baptist Health. And not only a message, a question for all of the good people out there. Are you experiencing foot and ankle pain and need to see an expert in the field? Well, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Theo, learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, quarterback rating of 89.5. That's what Brock Purdy did against the Seattle Seahawks in his first ever playoff game. Mr. Irrelevant in this past NFL draft, still a rookie, seventh round pick, very last pick of the draft. That's what Mr. Irrelevant means to those who don't know. And he led the 49ers to a 41-23 win over the Seattle Seahawks. They advance, they get to host the Dallas Cowboys this coming weekend in the divisional round, and they'll be looking to make it to the NFC Championship game back-to-back years, this time under a different quarterback. Brock Purdy started the year third in the quarterback room behind Trey Lance, Jimmy G. Trey Lance, what was it, broken leg that he had? I forgot, it was a bad injury. Who cares? Yeah, so Trey Lance goes out week two, I believe. Jimmy G comes in. Jimmy G goes out like about, what, week 10 or 11 before Brock Purdy comes on. And Brock Purdy has yet to lose a football game, Stone Labanowitz. I think that's seven in a row, 11 for the team, but seven for Brock Purdy. What the hell is going on? And for all of the system quarterback phrases, I guess you could call them, being thrown Brock Purdy's way, a lot of the plays that he's made been when the play breaks down. When he gets outside of the hashes, uses his legs, a lot of scramble drill stuff, out-of-structure stuff, 
Brock Purdy is lighting it up. He's efficient. He's accurate. He's got a big arm. It's impressive. It is really impressive and very similar to the whole Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady thing. I know it's a little early for that. It's early, yeah. But he looks damn good right now. He looks so good. So in that game, they actually, the 49ers were trailing 17-16 at the intermission. Looked like the Seahawks had some life. They Gino! were playing good. Geno Smith wasn't writing people back still. He was scoring touchdowns. It looked like a good game. Uh, third quarter, Brock Purdy gets a one-yard run. The San Francisco 49ers go up 23-17. to And then in the fourth quarter, up a touchdown, looking to put the game away. Brock Purdy finds Eli Mitchell in the red zone. And again, this is a play where, like you said, he's making things happen. It wasn't just scripted this way. It was an off-script play. He scrambles around, finds Eli Mitchell. Here it is on NBC Sports. On second and goal here, he fakes. He looks. He's in trouble, but keeps it alive and finds Mitchell. Improvisation leads to a touchdown. And actually, that was a Fox Sports call there. It was Fox Sports um, right there. Brock Purdy to Eli Mitchell. That put the 49ers up 31-17. They go on to win it 41-23. And again, Brock Purdy, a master class. And, and even if you want to call him a game manager, if you, if you want to you want, call him a system quarterback, I don't even care. He's winning football games. He's looked good, and he's not putting his team in compromising situations. What else could you want from a starting quarterback? Absolutely correct. There, Mind you, we're talking about a cat who turned 23 years old two weeks ago. Yeah. And that touchdown pass to Elijah Mitchell – he goes through his progression. He starts on the right side of the field, works his way to the left, play breaks down, starts moving outside of the pocket, gets back to his check down, late, smart, safe, conservative, all the above. He ends up uh, with seven points there. So, like, yeah. veteran stuff, right? Tom Brady has made a living off of finding the check down in the red zones, a la James White, right? Got him paid doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Brock Purdy's doing it, and we're calling him a system quarterback. Little unfair, but I do hear where it's coming from. I get it just because it's so fresh. The real question is going to be for these 49ers is how far can Brock Purdy take you in these playoffs? Is that Cowboys defense going to be too much? Can he keep lifting you and keep that ceiling going higher? Or... Are they going to be having to find the next quarterback next year? It's going to be a it's going to be a really weird offseason for the 49ers in the quarterback room, but at the very least right now, it's working out. So I don't even want to talk about those questions yet because right now they're they're on the path to what looks like a Super Bowl run. Yeah, speaking of the Cowboys and 49ers matchup that we do have next, I think we have a man who can speak on it a little bit, our resident Cowboys fan, Joe and Jupiter. Before we get to break, Joe, what do you got? What's up, guys? First of all, a couple of things. I have a couple of takes, but uh, one thing I'm quick on Purdy. I think he's going to have some sleepless nights this week, dreaming about the onslaught of Micah Parsons and company. And then i got to give a shout-out to uh, Ernesto and his Giants, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, my takes are the fact that if we play even close to the way we played last night, we're going to the NFC Championship game. And then, if the Giants can find a way to beat the Eagles. That punches our ticket to the Super Bowl because I think that means the Giants would come to Dallas for the NFC Championship game, and we're winning that game. We'll see you in the Super Bowl. That's my two takes. Ooh, so what Joe, do you think? Joe and Jupiter, and I like it. I appreciate the call, Joe. He, he's he's calling that his Cowboys are going to uh, show something that resembled what we had last night. Yeah, but he's going for the easiest route possible. Yeah, yeah, but that's the one <laughs> thing that was soft about it. He's, he's asking, he's begging and pleading for the Giants to take care of the Eagles because he's scared. He's afraid of his Cowboys having to take on the Eagles himself. I see what you did there, Joe. A little misdirection, but it's not getting past me. Theo Dorsey in for Ken LaVica. We have a special guest coming up 
After we go to break, we have Steve Politziner, the president of Good Karma Brands, resident Giants fan, and the overall just wise sage. He's going to be answering some of your questions on Ask Steve's when we come back. Ken Levick is out. Big Teddy Takeover. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm in with Stone Labanowitz. We're live on ESPN 106.3. From the Anajar and Levine Studios in downtown West Palm Beach, you are listening to Ken LaVica Live on ESPN 106.3. I still don't get why they call it Super Wild Card Weekend, but I'll keep going with it. Big Teddy Takeover here on Ken LaVica Live. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. In for Ken LaVica, who's on his way back here. He'll be with us tomorrow, don't worry. And we got Stone Labanowitz, of course. We always got to have Stone, and Stone has a message from Baptist Health. And not only a message, a question for all of the good people out there. Are you experiencing foot and ankle pain and need to see an expert in the field? Well, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealth.net slash orthocare to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Theo, learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash orthocare. 18 for 30, 332 yards, three touchdowns, quarterback rating of 89.5. That's what Brock Purdy did against the Seattle Seahawks in his first ever playoff game. Mr. Irrelevant in this past NFL draft, still a rookie, seventh round pick, very last pick of the draft. That's what Mr. Irrelevant means to those who don't know. And he led the 49ers to a 41-23 win over the Seattle Seahawks. They advance, they get to host the Dallas Cowboys this coming weekend in the divisional round, and they'll be looking to make it to the NFC Championship game back-to-back years, this time under a different quarterback. Brock Purdy started the year third in the quarterback room behind Trey Lance, Jimmy G. Trey Lance, what was it, broken leg that he had? I forgot, it was a bad injury. Who cares? Yeah, so Trey Lance goes out week two, I believe. Jimmy G comes in. Jimmy G goes out like about, what, week 10 or 11 before Brock Purdy comes on. And Brock Purdy has yet to lose a football game, Stone Labanowitz. I think that's seven in a row, 11 for the team, but seven for Brock Purdy. What the hell is going on? And for all of the system quarterback phrases, I guess you could call yeah. them, being thrown Brock Purdy's way, a lot of the plays that he's made been when the play breaks down. When he gets outside of the hashes, uses his legs, a lot of scramble drill stuff, out-of-structure stuff, Brock Purdy is lighting it up. He's efficient. He's accurate. He's got a big arm. It's impressive. It is really impressive and very similar to the whole Drew Bledsoe, Tom Brady thing. I know it's a little early for that. It's early, yeah. But he looks damn good right now. He looks so good. So in that game, they actually, the 49ers were trailing 17-16 at the intermission. Looked like the Seahawks had some life. They were playing good. Geno Smith. Wasn't writing people back still. He was scoring touchdowns. It looked like a good game. Uh, third quarter, Brock Purdy gets a one-yard run. The San Francisco 49ers go up 23-17. to And then in the fourth quarter, up a touchdown, looking to put the game away, Brock Purdy finds Eli Mitchell in the red zone. And again, this is a play where, like you said, he's making things happen. It wasn't just scripted this way. It was an off-script play. 
He scrambles around, finds Eli Mitchell. Here it is on NBC Sports. On second and goal here, he fakes. He looks. He's in trouble, but keeps it alive and finds Mitchell. Improvisation leads to a touchdown. And actually, that was a Fox Sports call there. It was Fox Sports um, right there. Brock Purdy to Eli Mitchell. That put the 49ers up 31-17. They go on to win it 41-23. And again, Brock Purdy, a master class. And, and even if you want to call him a game manager, if you, if you want to you call him a system quarterback, I don't even care. He's winning football games. He's looked good, and he's not putting his team in compromising situations. What else could you want from a starting quarterback? Absolutely correct there. Mind you, we're talking about a cat who turned 23 years old two weeks ago. Yeah. And that touchdown pass to Elijah Mitchell, he goes through his progression. He starts on the right side of the field, works his way to the left, play breaks down, starts moving outside of the pocket, gets back to his check down, late, smart, safe, conservative, all the above. He ends up uh, with seven points there. So, like, yeah. veteran stuff, right? Tom Brady has made a living off of finding the check down in the red zones, a la James White, right? Got him paid doing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Brock Purdy's doing it, and we're calling him a system quarterback. little unfair, but I do hear where it's coming from. I get it just because it's so fresh. The real question is going to be for these 49ers is how far can Brock Purdy take you in these playoffs? Is that Cowboys defense going to be too much? Can he keep lifting you and keep that ceiling going higher? Or... Are they going to be having to find the next quarterback next year? It's going to be a it's going to be a really weird offseason for the 49ers in the quarterback room, but at the very least right now, it's working out. So I don't even want to talk about those questions yet because right now they're they're on the path to what looks like a Super Bowl run. Yeah, speaking of the Cowboys and 49ers matchup that we do have next, I think we have a man who can speak on it a little bit. Our resident Cowboys fan, Joe and Jupiter, before we get to break, Joe, what do you got? What's up, guys? First of all, a couple of things. I have a couple of takes, but uh, one thing I'll quick on Purdy. I think he's going to have some sleepless nights <laughs> this week, dreaming about the onslaught of Micah Parsons and company. And then i got to give a shout-out to uh, Ernesto and his Giants, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, my take are the fact that if we play even close to the way we played last night, we're going to the NFC Championship game. And then, if the Giants can find a way to beat the Eagles. That punches our ticket to the Super Bowl because I think that means the Giants would come to Dallas for the NFC Championship game, and we're winning that game. We'll see you in the Super Bowl. That's my two takes. Ooh, so what Joe, do you think? Joe and Jupiter, and I like it. I appreciate the call, Joe. He, he's, he's calling that his Cowboys are going to – uh, show something that resembled what we had last night. Yeah, but he's going for the easiest route possible. Yeah, yeah, but that's the one <laughs> thing that was soft about it. He's he's asking, he's begging and pleading for the Giants to take care of the Eagles because he's scared. He's afraid of his Cowboys having to take on the Eagles himself. I see what you did there, Joe. A little misdirection, but it's not getting past me. Theo Dorsey in for Ken Lavica. We have a special guest coming up after we go to break. We have Steve Senior, the president of Good Karma Brands, resident Giants fan, and the overall just wise sage. He's going to be ask, answering some of your questions on Ask Steve's when we come back. Ken Levick is out. Big Teddy Takeover. Theo Dorsey, WPTV News Channel 5, WFLX Fox 29. I'm in with Stone Labanowitz. We're live on ESPN 106.3.